Welcome to the Pure Gold Podcast. This is Jerry Pitney, and today I am joined by Lindsay Roberts, who is the Executive Director for Together We Foster. Lindsay, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, did you start, you and your husband start Together We Foster? It seems like um, maybe back in 2019, somewhere around there, like it seems like y'all were the ones behind this. Is that correct? So we did. We jumped on. It was an existing organization, but they weren't 501c3 status. So we jumped in um, late 2018 and started applying for 501c3 status, and we got that in April of 2019. April 2019. So tell me your your heart behind it, because that's not – you're the first person I know um, that I've had a chance to talk with that had that much of a passion and a drive to actually put some skin in the game around fostering. So – Kind of tell me a little bit of the backstory. How did y'all get to that point? We're like, yeah, we're ready to go in in this way. So we opened our home in January of 2017 to be foster parents. And that was something that we felt was really um, on our hearts. And so at that time we had one daughter, Ella. And so we took classes. We opened our home in 17. And um, that first placement that we got really just changed our lives. Um, Mm. We had that child for... Um, long term, almost two years. And so when he left our home, you know, we were heartbroken, but we were excited for him. You know, he was getting to go back with his family, but we knew that we needed to do something. We needed to take a break for our family, but we wanted to still help the foster care community. And so that's really where it all came from. We thought we would start um, just a small organization here at home and just do fun things with kids. And it's grown to be so much more than that. When you say that it changed your life in what way do you mean like it just opened up your eyes to the need it definitely did so when we and I think a lot of people when they take the classes have this idea of you know you're going to change that child's life and mm-hmm. that's what we thought you know they always teach you about reunification and the family and supporting that family but when that first child walks into your door and as a mom you know you're thinking what is that what's that mom thinking um you know her baby's with somebody else she doesn't know where they're at and so that's where our hearts went you know our hearts went to those parents and those families that didn't know where their kids were mm. in that first night and so mm. that's really what our goal is is not just to serve foster children and foster families but the biological parents to children in care as well so what exactly does that look like uh to serve these parents So um, when we have kids placed in our home, our goal is to really um, communicate with the parents as much as they'll allow. You know, that's kind of um, up to them, but we want to welcome that communication. We take the kids to visits. We do phone calls during the week. We get Mother's Day gifts, Father's Day gifts. Um, We buy them Christmas gifts. We want them from their child. You know, we want them to feel that we have faith in them, that they can get their child back. Mm -hmm. Um, From an organization standpoint, you know, we don't take as many kids in our home long term anymore we do a lot of respite and short term um so we don't have that relationship that way but from an organizational standpoint you know we want to support those families um whether it be that their kids um are coming back home and they need help with furniture um beds bedding that's a big thing you know if those kids are getting ready to come back home and they're starting all over um it can be hard to start all over if you don't have support Mm. so we help sometimes with groceries we help with beds and bedding and couches um, and just things like that and then we're fixing to start a new program called reunification baskets so when kids go home we'll have a basket of family games and activities you know a congratulations note for those families Mm. um just so we're you know they know that we're cheering them on we have faith in them most of these kids that are being pulled from the home, um, is there a kind of a, a common theme 
for why a lot of the kids are being pulled from parents or is it really just all across the board? I mean, there's all across the board. It's um, just various reasons. Um, and, you know, you can't ever tell, can't talk about the reasons that kids are placed in your home. Sometimes you don't even know the reasons that kids are placed in your home um, or all the details of that. But um, it's just various reasons. But a lot of their stories will break your heart. Mm. And how long is the average kid in foster care? Do you know? Um, I don't know, like true statistics but from any standpoint a kid could be in your home a night up to you know 18 months 20 months sometimes even longer considering the circumstances and most of the parents it seems like the way you're talking I guess is like you know I think a stereotype is if a kid is in foster care um, this is a stereotype I've had I'm not saying other people have this but I've had it in the past of like well if a kid's in foster care it's because the, the parents obviously didn't want the kid they yes just, they totally true. neglected them and didn't care but the way you're talking is like, no, like a lot of these parents are just like those of us probably listening, like absolutely they want to be a good mom. Absolutely they do. They that's, want to what, be a good dad. that's what they want. And, um, you know, a lot of the parents may just have never had anybody to have faith in them or to have trust in them or to give them a chance. Um, you know, we growing up, I had a good support system. That's mm-hmm. not the case for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so um, the goal of foster care is for kids to get to go back home for that reunification to happen. Um, kids love their parents. You know, that's where kids want to be most of the time. And so um, that's the goal is when a kid comes to our home, we know that we want to help support that. We want to um, facilitate reunification and however we can do that um, until that's off the table. That's what we want to do. So you're trying to keep kind of a keep a relationship going with these parents as long as the doors open for that. Absolutely. And you can even keep that relationship open after that child goes home. You know, lifelong relationships are very important. And so, um, you know, we've had kids that go home that we still have contact with this to this day. Um, and that's what that's my favorite part is that um, relationship with the family and the long term relationship. Yeah, it's uh, I think that's a, a conversation that we need to have more of is the idea that, you know, some of these parents who have not been able to care for their kids well, like they're just they're parenting their kids the way they were parented. Exactly. And they've not like, I just think grace is a big thing, you know, just to give them grace. And, Mm. you know, that's an opportunity for us to, you know, be the hands and feet of Jesus is to really just get to know them and invest in them um, and take time to help them. And I think that in the end, that's all that they want is a second chance. And um, when they, when kids go home, um, our community is a better place. You know, if those parents have done the things that they need to and we've helped get them the resources and the things that they need, they can be a successful family and it makes our community more successful in return. So. 100%. What do you think is the greatest need in helping these parents? Like what are some practical ways um, maybe that y'all are doing that? Like I know you talked about some of like the baskets you send home with the kids, things like mm-hmm. that. But but if this has been learned behavior, right? Like if someone doesn't know, they, they have poor parenting skills because that's just what was modeled in their own life and what they experience. Have you discovered like any sort of like secret sauce or is there any tips or is there anything that you're like this is or this is the missing component of of here's the thing we've got to focus on here's the key to helping some of these parents learn these skills and get to a place where this doesn't happen again um well i mean when a kid comes into care they're going to have a case plan and so dhs sets the several of the things that are on the case plan um you know parenting classes are on there so they're provided with those kinds of things um, I just think sometimes they don't know the resources that they have 
Um, and sometimes they're doing the best that they can to the best of their ability. Um, and so I think if you just, you know, our caseworkers here do a great job at DHS of sitting down and, you know, trying to provide those resources and help mm. with those resources. Um, and then we try, they know they can reach out to Together We Foster and we'll help, you know, to the best of our ability to help provide those resources or make those available. Um, but like we have visit centers, our visit centers are where those kids are visiting with their parents every week. Um, DHS supervises those visits. But it's a private place, and those parents and kids get to interact in those rooms for four hours a week. Um, and then at the end of those visits, they have to clean up that space. And so we're mm. hoping that the caseworker can model, you know, this is how you take care of a room. And, the, you know, the caseworker is getting to see them interact together and play together. And so that's our goal is for them to come together and be able to bond in that time um, and just really be a family and connect again. And so we're hoping we're teaching some skills um, in that avenue as well. Hey, hey uh, Lindsay, can you tell a little bit about that visit center, like how that came about? Because it didn't used to be that way, right? They had, families had to visit right. a lot of times at DHS, and yeah, it was not very a restaurant. inviting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so um, those started, our first visit center started in, since COVID, all of the day, like the years run together. So yeah. um, March of 21 is when we opened our first visit center in Paragould. Um, we have two additional visit centers now in Jonesboro and Pocahontas, um, and they can be used by DHS staff all over the state. Um, if they need to come in here um, and do those visits. But it's just a room um, or a center that's set up. We have different rooms in Paragool. We have six visit rooms um, for varying ages. We have um, a big visit room and then a baby room. But those rooms are just set up with um, games, crafts, toys. Um, We have TVs if they wanted to do like a family movie night. But the parents have to come in and they interact with those children in that room for two to four hours, depending on how their visits are set up. Mm. Um, but they get to have a meal together. They can, you know, sit in the floor and bond and just have time where it's private um, mm. and it's not in the public eye. And so our families have really bragged on that, you know, especially when that change first happened and they were able to experience visits out, you know, whether it be at the park or the DHS office. But they're proud of that facility where they can go and visit just with their families, you know, and not be mm-hmm. be out with everybody else. So, What I love about y'all's approach is how hands-on it is. And you said something a while ago about we try to be a family, like not just like we try to teach them how to be it, but it's almost a, it's a collective thing. And I think it's so important because when it comes to helping someone change, helping them grow, helping them learn these necessary skills, it's often not a program. It's, it's highly relational. Mm-hmm. You know, it's getting involved in their lives and, and it seems like that's what you're doing. It's not like, here's just a book, yeah. you know, and yeah, that's... your book in your basket and like, good luck. But it's like, no, we want to continue this ongoing communication back and forth. And yes, resource you with the, the items you need, but also mm-hmm. like be there for the emotional support and teaching and encouragement and all that. Yeah. And our caseworkers through DHS, you know, we partner with them. They do a fantastic job. Um, our local workers are really good, but they reach out to us when they have a need. And, you know, our goal is I'm not at the visit centers every day and I don't get to see all the visits, but, um, you know, we're in and out and we get to interact with the kids, you know, sometimes, and that's just a blessing to be able to see Mm -hmm. them, you know, just a snippet of them and how they're interacting and stuff. Do you have any stories? I know you can't share your, uh, any names, but are there any stories that jump out that you're like, that's the kind of thing that keeps me going? Oh, goodness. Um, I don't know. I mean, just, I think just everything. Like, you know, we've had um, relatives, you know, that's a big thing is what we call provisional fictive kin placements. You know, those are families that are taking in their relatives, you know, that DHS approves of the relative, um, but they're taking them in unexpectedly. And so we had um, 
a grandparent come to our clothing closet one time and she just like walked in and I don't know if you've ever been to our clothing closets, but they're not just a tiny room. They're, um, in Paragold's at a 30 by 40 metal building and it's everything a child could need, mm-hmm. um, from the, from the very get go. We mm-hmm. have clothes, diapers, beds, um, toys, you name it, it's going to be in there. And, um, she came in and her mouth was just like wide open. And she was like, you mean I can have anything in here for my kids, for my grandkids that I need? And I was like, yeah, just take whatever you need. And she was like, and it's all free, you know? So a lot of these relatives are taking their children in and it can be, I hate to use the word financial burden, but if you're not expecting that from the beginning, you know, there's a lot of finances that come along with that, especially if it's multiple children. And so, us just being able to to provide those things for free, you know, that takes a lot of that burden off that mm. family where they're not worried about that. And so she awesome. cried that day um, when she was leaving and just thanked us wow. for everything that we were able to give. And so that that right there, and we have teenagers that come shop and they're just like, you mean I can take anything here, you know? And so it's just experiences that they've never had mm. that they're getting to have um, because of our community. You know, our community donates all those things that are in our closet. So is that how y'all basically, as I was going to ask you, like the, the, the resources that y'all have, is it all basically through donations? Yeah. I mean, we, um, we pay rent for our clothing closet in Paragould, um, and we pay rent in Jonesboro as well, but everything that's in our clothing closet is donated, um, just by the community we put out there a need, um, and they usually jump in and fill it very quickly with great things. You know, we want our kids to be dressed just like you would dress your own kid. 100%, yeah. Um, we want their clothes to be just as nice as our own. And so we get some amazing things, um, and it's just, it's very humbling for you to see, you know, how the community responds to when you put a need out. Yeah. What is the biggest need right now? So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh, I didn't even know this ministry existed or this organization existed. I want to help out. What are some of the biggest needs? What are the best ways someone could help? Um, so if you look for like just things that we go through a lot of that have to be new, like we have to have new socks and underwear. Um, those are big things that we go through, you know, a ton of tennis shoes are a big thing just because, um, you know, when you donate tennis shoes, sometimes my kids are rough on their tennis shoes. And so those things, usually when my kids are done with them, they're not in great condition. So shoes that are in good condition are a big thing that we're always needing. Mm -hmm. Um, and just bedding, um, twin full queen bedding and things like that. Yeah. Excellent. How many kids are currently in green County? Um, how many kids are in or like waiting to be fostered? Do you know? So, um, last I checked was the beginning of January, I believe. And there was around 107 children in Greene County alone that were in foster care. 107, that, those are in foster care. From, yes, from Greene County. Are those now, actually being fostered or they're waiting to be fostered? No, so they're, you know, I'm not going to say every one of them is in a foster home. But so when a child comes into care, um, they have to be placed somewhere, whether that's in a Greene County home or a home outside of Greene County. So not necessarily all 107 kids sure. are able to be placed in Greene County. Um, but there are 107 kids from our home county that are in a foster home somewhere in the state of Arkansas. All right. So if, if someone, okay, if someone goes into foster care and they're from Greene County and there's not a home available in Greene County, they can go... They, they can, can be pulled pretty far. They can go anywhere across the state. They can be in Fayetteville. They can be in, mm, you know, hours away. And so that's, that's very hard. That's a big have thing. to leave your school. Yeah, so your not friends. Just, you just lose your parents. You just mm-hmm. lost your friends too. Yeah, and so that's what we really advocate for um, is more open homes because we want every child to be placed in their hometown so they can still go to their school, so they can still have their friends, and they can have that kind of consistency and 
that makes visits easier. You know, if you're four hours across the state, how do you do a visit every week? You know, yeah. that makes the logistics hard if a child's placed sure. across the state. How many current <coughs> foster homes are there in Green County? I do don't know? have exact numbers on that because there are um, actual foster homes and then there's those um, fictive kin provisional placements that we've talked about. So <laughs> that means they can only take the children that have that are in their family that are currently in care they can't take any children just like we're an open foster home we can take any child that comes into care across Arkansas Um, I will say that we've been fostering since 17 um, and this is probably the least amount of foster homes that I've ever seen open in Greene County and how many are open right now I don't know exact numbers. It's, it's less. Low. It's low. It's less than 35. And we probably need, what would you guess? Um, so if there's 107 kids in care, we need 107 available beds at least. Um, and the thing is, is a foster home, depending upon the size of the home and the rooms in the home, have um, so many available placement spots. So like my home, I have two available placement spots. Another home may only have one. Um, and another home could have three or four. So mm-hmm. it just depends on the size of your home um, and what you're willing to, you know, put bed-wise in your home. Mm-hmm. What family is ready to foster, like in your mind? Um, what are some of the key components of a family that you're like, yeah, if, you, if these things are true of your family, you can do this? Oh, goodness, that's a hard one just because <clears throat> I feel like it takes – it takes a, time, a lot of time and prayer to decide that that's the path that you want to go on. I feel like if you're going to open your home, um, you need to be sure that that's what you want to do. Um, and I also say this um, to everybody that I talk to, that is if you are wanting to adopt a child, opening to foster is not your best bet. Um, because when you foster, the goal is reunification. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to be willing to support reunification so if you that's the ultimate go if you are a hundred percent set on adopting a child then you need to open as an adopt only home um you know i'm not saying that they're like we fostered a child and we adopted that child Hmm. um but my heart was not strict like i knew i needed to support reunification until reunification was off the table and so that's what i tell everybody if you're a hundred percent wanting to adopt then that's what you need to open up as first is just to adopt only. And you can do that. You can open as a foster home. You can open as an adoptive home, or you can open as a foster and adoptive home. I'm curious, what are some of the the common objections that people have around fostering and, and, and maybe what are some answers that you would give to those objections? The very first thing that I hear every time is I could never foster because I'd get too attached. Mm-hmm. And my automatic response is that's exactly what you would, that would make you good at it. You're supposed to get attached. Mm-hmm. Um, these kids need your attachment. They need your love. Mm-hmm. They need your devotion to them. Um, no matter how long they're in your house, that's what they need. Mm-hmm. And so of course, like we're sad when kids leave our house, you know, but that's, that lets me know that we're doing it the right way. Um, because I can be sad temporarily if that means that that child's going mm-hmm. to have oh, a loving and caring relationship. You know, mm-hmm. if they're going to have somebody to step in and just fill in for that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we have that conversation with our, our kids. You know, we have two kids. And so um, whenever we get a new placement, we always, especially my oldest, we always talk to her about it. Um, but we transition. You know, if we know those kids are getting ready to go home, we talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the day that they're supposed to be going home. Remember, we're just here for them for a little while. Um, mm. You know, we're just doing this for a little while. We pray for them. We talk about it. But we want to make sure that our kids are in on that because it's sad for them. You know, mm. nobody talks about, um, 
your biological children and their, their role in foster care. That's not talked about. Um, and so we try to include our kids on those decisions when kids come into our home. And then, especially our oldest now, we've always talked to her about that transition when they're getting ready to go home. The parents ever, like, is that an objection that anyone ever gives, like their own concern for their biological kids? Do you ever hear that? Absolutely. What would you say? Um, I would say, you know, I have those same concerns. I think parents have those concerns just about anything in life in general. Sure. Um, you know, are we doing the right thing? Are we parenting the right way? Um, and so we have those concerns too. We take that into account when we take a placement, you know, how that's going to affect our kids. Um, but absolutely, I feel like our kids have benefited from it. You know, they get to see you know, how just not really talking about helping the community, but welcoming that into your home. And you step into hard places and you do those hard things um, because you care for people and because that's how we show Christ's love. So we talk about that on a regular basis um, just with our kids. Mm. But I feel like in the long run, our kids are, you know, better people because of it. Uh, for sure. I love the idea too of, of um, or how you're intentionally like, focusing on i guess like this is a loss like for these people to leave like you know these, these children to leave like and, and being able to grieve that for what it is like ah oh, like we were attached and it's like mm-hmm. if if you were truly attached and you truly cared for the kids it is going to be sad it is going to feel like a loss but the gain mm-hmm. outweighs the loss you know because of what you're able to give these children that's the thing is like you know foster parents the lifespan, I guess, of a foster parent, of them being open as a foster home is not long. Um, you know, I'd say I know a handful of people that have been open more than just a few years. We've been open, I guess, now five, six. It's Time just runs together, I guess. But we've been open a long time. And so um, just I can't imagine our life without it. You know, mm-hmm. and when we went in, we didn't think we'd make it this long. But, you know, looking back now, like our whole life is – you know, where we don't take those long-term placements anymore, but, you know, that the organization that we run and the things that we do, that's what our life is about now, you know, is foster care and how we can serve that community. And so just looking back, that's what I always tell my husband is like, I can't imagine where we would be had we not started, you know, back and, in 2017. And so. why did you start back in 2017? Like, I'm curious because, you know, I love kids and I believe in everything that you're saying. And I'm like, oh, like fostering. Yes. And amen. That should happen. But it's like, <laughs> I've not honestly put a lot of skin in the game and I've certainly not ever thought about starting some sort of organization. So I like back in 2017, like what is it that got you there? You think like what clicked that you're like, this needs to happen. I always always thought it would be interesting to do. Like it was something even as like a teenager, I was like, well, that's kind of neat, you Mm. know? Um, But we had Ella, she was I think three and a half or four when we started taking our classes. And so um, I convinced my husband to go to an informational meeting on I don't even remember what night in 2016, Um, but it was harvest season is all I remember. And so he was like, I can't go to that meeting tonight. You'll just have to, we'll just have to wait and go another night. And so it opened up and poured about 30 minutes before the meeting was supposed to start. And so he called and he was like, well, we'll just go to this meeting. And he was like, but I'll tell you one thing. I am not signing up for this. Like Mm -hmm. we'll go and I'll hear it, but I'm not signing up. Like, cause he knows Mm -hmm. that's the kind of person I am. And so (laughs) we went to this meeting. We'll take 15 kids. right? (laughs) Yeah. We went to this meeting and sat down um, and it was just us and another couple, like two other couples. Um, and so the lady that I still know to this day gave us her spiel, um, gave us all the information. And at the end, she was like, who wants to sign up? And Quincy's air, hand went up in the air. 
And I was like, what are you doing? Wow. Put your hand down. Like, you told me we weren't coming. So at that point is when I started getting real nervous. I was yeah, like, wait you, a minute, said, yeah. you said we weren't signing up. And he was like, no, we're signing up. So wow. it's like one of these things that you, you know, we can't show you pictures of these kids. We can't mm-hmm. tell you their, you know, name and their story. But once you hear about some of the things that these kids have gone through, you know, it's kind of like, how can I not do something, Mm. you know? And that's another big thing is like, you know, we understand everybody can't open their home to foster care. Like we totally get that everybody cannot be foster parents, but our big thing as an organization is we try to really promote, like maybe you can't open your home, but there's this whole other list of things that you can do, you know, that you can do to help foster kids or foster parents or their biological parents. Um, And so, you know, that's what we try to cover, you know, as well. Yeah, it's great. Well, I'm super thankful for people like you, Robert and Allison. You know, they recently recently adopted a couple of kids and um, such clearly such a huge need in our city. I know worldwide, but but right here. Just at home. Own, right here mm-hmm. and at home. And so thank you for coming on here and, and, and raising an awareness of that. We'll be sure and link information in the, the notes to the website, uh, contact info, that sort of thing. That way, if anybody listening to this is interested uh, at all, they can reach out and, and try to get involved and serve uh, however they can. I'd love to end with some rapid fire questions. It's how we end every single episode. Um, it's the most exciting part, right? Most I know it's what exciting. you've been looking forward yes. to. A bunch of random questions that you didn't prep for. Um, so question number one. What is the last show or movie that you watched or what's the last book you read? Um, I'm not a big reader. So my last show that I read or watched was probably Fixer Upper. Fixer Upper. Is that a, like a home? Just Yes. Renovate? Do you okay. not know what Fixer Upper is? Chip no. and Joanna Gaines. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Are you, are you big in that kind of stuff? Like you do it yourself? Not real. No, not really. Okay. Um, I'm just more of a reality TV fan. Yeah. Than, yeah. It's just really impressive yeah. to see what they do. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Uh, favorite band. Oh, goodness. Um, I don't really listen to anything outside of Christian music. So, so just K-Love? Yeah, just anything K-Love, yeah. Okay, right on. You got a favorite song right now? Like if it came on, like, yes, that's oh, my jam. I don't know. I have several. Like My Jesus, that's my. Okay, oh, right on. Excellent. That's good. Just making a note of that here. Like Let to, me tell like you about it. New, let me learn some new music. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah, I know that song then. Uh, what is your favorite meal? Um, anything pasta. Mm. Amen. It's real good for you. I just <laughs> found out that uh, it's very good for you. I just found out that uh, Avanzari, is that how you say it? Avanzari? I think. Um, I just found out they have gluten-free pasta. I've been gluten-free for four years. Oh, really? And so, like, I'm back at Avanzari. I was crushing that place before I went gluten-free, and now I'm back. I can't do. I can't eat the rolls. But uh, I can that's give the it. best part, though. When I you know. Go <laughs> I know. But the pasta is really good. How does it compare? Do you it's really good. Old? It's really good. Like, really? seriously, I, I, I mean... I can't tell the difference. You probably could because you haven't been gluten-free. Yeah. Like if you're like, eh, okay, that's clearly gluten-free. But to me, I'm like, that's the way I remember pasta tasting. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's, Good it's, for a, you. it's a real blessing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is on your nightstand right now? Um, my planner and a lamp and a picture. Perfect. Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Oh, goodness. Just one? There's so many. Just one. Um, so I guess this will relate back to our conversation, but um, our adoption day of our youngest. And what is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? Oh, God's grace. Excellent. Lindsay, thanks so much for coming on. Really enjoyed the conversation. And to those of you who are still listening, thanks for tuning in. Um, if you've not already done so, please 
get on our different social media accounts. Check us out there. We are on Instagram, I believe. We are also, I think, very loosely on Twitter. Not really. We have a website, paragolpodcast.com. Um, but where you will probably see most of the action is on Facebook. So just go to Facebook, Google the Paragold Podcast. You can find us there. And if you've not done so, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That just helps people find us more quickly and learn about the incredible people that are connected to our community. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time.